Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. Well, praise the Lord. This morning, we're going to look uh, in the book of Philippians together. We're going to start a new series uh, into one of those great letters of the New Testament. And we're going to look here in the book of Philippians. We know that the Apostle Paul wrote this letter. Uh, and uh, he, while he was suffering in prison, he had been there for a while. And uh, he was expecting that he might be executed at any time because of his uh, faith. And yet he ended up being released in about 62 AD, right after this, after he had, wrote, uh, had written this letter to the church in Philippi. But we can see through the Apostle Paul that he has been facing this trial of his life and he reminds God's people to keep the right attitude. And in fact, one of the key scriptures that he writes in chapter 2, verse 5, uh, is, says this, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And then he moves on from there and he talks about being humble and, and being humble as Jesus was when he came to this earth. But let's bring this back, this scenario back to us and to our world today, because when we look back at, at this writing that's been back in the, in the 50s or early 60s AD, we see, hey, that's a, diff- that's a long time ago, right? But let's look at this in today's version, if you want to say. Last week on uh, July the 25th, American pastor Andrew Brunson was finally released from prison in Izmir, Turkey after serving two years uh, for uh, his faith. Now he's under under house arrest, (laughs) not hospital arrest, but he's under house arrest and he's facing nearly 35 years uh, for uh, supposedly helping people who were part of a Turkish uh, coup attempt back in 2016, likely uh, it, it, he, he was, if he was connected to them, he was probably sharing faith with them. And he spent about 20 years as a pastor there in Izmir, Turkey, at Resurrection Church. And what he would say, we have to ask this question, what would he say to the church at that time as he's been incarcerated for his faith? Well, he doesn't know his fate either at this point, even right now. But at a minimum, he does say this. He said, let it be clear. I'm in prison not for anything that I've done wrong, but because of who I am, a Christian pastor. Living in a a Muslim country. And uh, he said, I desperately miss my wife and children, yet I believe this to be true. It is an honor to suffer for Jesus Christ as many have before me. My deepest thanks to all those around the world who are standing with me and praying for me. And I would say this morning to you, don't forget to pray for this pastor and for others who face persecution in their lives for their faith in Christ. So let's try to make this thing personal for us today, okay? Let's try to put this in perspective. So place yourself in Leavenworth. Now, I don't mean down downtown. I don't mean in any of the shopping centers or the car dealership, anything like that. But I mean 1300 Metropolitan Avenue, the U.S. Penitentiary. 
and put yourself in that place, and maybe like the Apostle Paul or like Brunson or others who have uh, faced cold, hard time for sharing their faith, there you are because of your faith in Christ. And it seems like you've made a ton of people angry because you told them that their old religious traditions wouldn't get them into heaven, and they've been leaning on those all their lives. So you've got preachers breathing down your neck. You've got deacons breathing down your neck and clerics and whatever else you have breathing down your neck. You have judges and community leaders that say, we want this guy's head. And so some will even ramp it up to treason and say, hey, you, you betrayed your country. And here you sat facing hard time with a little bit of food, a bunk and steel bars surrounding you. But unlike the Apostle Paul, at least you have access to a mess hall with three squares a day. Back then, they wouldn't have had such a thing. Usually, someone would have had to have brought that in from the outside to be able to help them. You don't have much hope for parole, but you have the power of the pen, the ability to encourage and write to others. So my question to you is this. What would you write to your friends who follow Jesus? What would you say to them? How would you encourage others uh, who uh, followers of Christ who are in your condition? But even beyond these, what would your attitude be? I, I couldn't imagine being in that kind of a setting. Those are really some tough questions for us to have to answer. It really is easy for us to be able to say right now, uh, you know what, I would do this or I would do that or I would say this or I would say that, but then we have to follow through on that when the real thing comes. And really we need to make sure that we keep the attitude of Christ now as we're going about our everyday life, as we're living this life, and that we need to be able to focus on Christ, the big picture. Now, Paul takes the opportunity to use the power of the pen and for you, it may be social media or maybe a small group or across the kitchen table or just sitting back in your car as you talk to friends going down the road. But if you look at the whole letter of Philippians here, you can find this overarching theme. And those who followed Jesus should not let their lives be shaped by outward circumstances, but live out the life of Jesus in those circumstances. They should experience joy in Christ no matter what circumstances, opposition, or persecution they face. Now we find the Apostle Paul here. He was used by God to start this new church in Philippi. And, and uh, he, he had been there. We see that over in Acts chapter 16. And he had a special love for the followers of Jesus who were living there in this place. And uh, they had been more responsive to his financial needs than any of the other churches had started, that he had started. And Paul makes it clear that they, they stayed current with his situation in prison, yet he, he warns them about those who were legalistic at this time, the, what we call the Judaizers. And, and he also warned them about those who were free spirits that threw off all the godly restraint that God provides for us and and uh, But let's take a minute, and we're going to look at the greeting here in verses 1 and 2 together, and let's look at that together. Here it is, and it says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, 
Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So we can see one here that the Apostle Paul was not a lone ranger. He was not going to go it alone because we find that he has there with him Timothy, who has been a faithful partner in ministry for some time. And it was really them together that are writing this letter in some sense. And and their message was not limited here to any particular person, if you notice. But he's writing to the general uh, group of believers. And uh, then he uh, mentions the, uh, the other leaders, the overseers and deacons after this. And he says, uh, to all general, uh, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi. It seems to be that he wants to include everyone who follows Christ in Philippi. He wants to make sure that everybody's a part of this and that they're aware of what's happening here and he's trying to uh, help them. He even calls them holy. I would dare to say that those guys weren't perfect. I would dare to say that they probably had some struggles in their lives and I would dare to say that God still called them holy. What does that mean? It means they are set apart that God has set them apart for His purpose. God has set each and every one of us apart for His purpose. And Paul starts out with this prayer of thanksgiving, and then he moves into more of an intercession for them. And the first thing we should ask ourselves before we read these next few verses is this question. Are you faithful partners in ministry? Are you faithful partners in ministry? Now it's evident that what, what the Apostle Paul says here, that the Philippians were. Look at what he says in verse 3. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So Paul begins the description of his prayers of thanksgiving in verses 3 and 4 here with a remark that he shows that he prays for the Philippians with joy. So he's praying for them with joy and his main intention for this description is to simply show his affection for the Philippians. He loves these guys. They, they have had an impact on his life, not only he on them, but they've been, impacted his life and the rest of the ministry that he was doing. But he's also setting up a theme here that runs throughout this letter. And that theme is that the believers should be joyful. Joyful. Now Paul reminds them of this over and over in this letter, and we'll probably see this theme as we keep reading this passage and you have to keep something in mind here. Paul is not talking about happiness. We make a big mistake in America sometimes because we think, hey, he's talking, it must be, joy must be happiness, but happiness is shallow. Happiness is when my vehicle is clean. I'm driving down the road, all smiley, the sun is shining, and somebody calls me on my cell phone. I pull my cell phone out of my pocket. I answer that phone as I pull over to the side of the road. My car is clean. I've got good reception. Everything is going fine. The semi comes by. 
And as the semi comes by, there is a very large mud, water uh, and mud puddle there beside me. And he runs his dual wheels through that and it engulfs my vehicle to where it was beautiful before, but now it is horrible and I've lost my happiness. Yes, he was okay. I forgive you. No, <laughs> Sometimes we misunderstand what joy is and what happiness are. They're two, two totally different things. Happiness is rather shallow, but joy is that deep inward thing that God gives to us no matter what our circumstances are. But how does, God keep, uh, how does keeping the big picture in mind help us with true joy? How does it give us true joy? We know that our life does not only consist of what happens. Uh, uh, it doesn't consist of our circumstances. It, that we can't just focus on that. But you look at uh, Pastor Bronson as, uh, Brunson as he, was, uh, he had to say at some point, he said, I believe this to be true. It's an honor to suffer for Jesus Christ as many have before me. And then he said, my deepest thanks to all those around the world who are standing with me and praying for me. He was keeping the big picture in mind. We have to be able to keep that big picture in mind. But, but we can also understand that he was thankful like Paul that there were those believers around him that were standing or they were partnering with him. They were praying for him. And sometimes they would help him in different ways. And so that, that pastor, though, that Pastor Brunson, you look at his life just like you and I, he's a human. Paul, just like you and I, he was a human. It's evident that it's very difficult for these guys to walk down the path that they're walking. I'm sure that that pastor even gets discouraged at times as he's been in, when he was incarcerated and now even under house arrest. But he had to keep the big picture in mind and so do you. It doesn't matter what your circumstance is. It doesn't matter what you are facing. You have to be able to keep the big picture in mind and know that Jesus is still on the throne and that God is there and available to work in your life. Paul, Paul models for the Philippians uh, this attitude of joy. He, he models it that he's going to find, he's going to later challenge them to live it out for themselves. For Paul, joy is not the result of finding himself in a comfortable circumstance, but in seeing the gospel make progress through his, his circumstances and through the circumstances of the Philippians, whatever they may be at this point. I don't know exactly what your circumstances are. For some, life seems unbearable or completely difficult. Sometimes for others, it may be simply challenging at times. Yet no matter how unbearable or how challenging it may be, we must be willing to look back at the big picture. We must be able to look back to the Lord and where true joy comes from. True joy comes through faith in Christ key point here is this, is if you follow Christ, you don't let your life be shaped by the outward circumstances, but live out the life of Jesus in those circumstances. I know it isn't always easy, right? It's, e it's one thing to say it, but it's another thing to be able to live it out. But, 
There are times that we can walk through the halls of this life singing happy songs. Hey, everything's going well, and we can sing a happy song, and things are going fine. If you come around my house, sometimes you'll hear me whistling or singing, and Jody would probably say yes, and she probably covers her ears at times too. But there's times that we sing those happy songs, and then there's times we face those challenging things, and we just don't know which way to go. Then there's those times you sit in the easy chair and you say, Lord, what were you thinking? What were you thinking, God? Why is this happening? And some of you would probably say that too. Or am I the only one? Maybe I'm the only one that does that. I don't think so. We look and say, Lord, what are you thinking? I'm sure everybody has asked that question. I'm sure that the Apostle Paul, is he's sitting there on the cold cell floor, he's writing, he's penning these words to the, to the body of Christ. I'm sure that he's thinking, Lord, what are you doing here? Look at where I'm at. It's dark in here. The, wall, the, the floors are wet. There are stone walls. Maybe there were bars. I don't know. Maybe it was just a rock holding them in. I, I don't know what it was like exactly, but... Well, one way or the other, Paul gives a couple reasons for his joyful thanksgiving for these Christ followers at Philippi. His first reason is that the Philippians have entered into partnership with him uh, in the work of the gospel from the time that he started, first preached with them until now. We see that in verse 5. And the word partnership, or koinonia, as it says in the Greek, uh, means more than just fellowship, as it says it in King James, or more than just sharing, as it would say in some other translations. It refer he's referring to the Philippians' practical support of the uh, ministry that uh, Paul was, was producing to proclaim the gospel and to meet the needs of other believers. These followers of Jesus were willing to jump in the trenches with the Apostle Paul to see ministry happen in the lives of people. They were real, willing to jump in there. They were, they were willing to serve others who were in need in the body and likely outside of the body. Paul also recalls the Philippians' willingness to produce uh, uh, or, or participate to take part in it in the, what he calls the matter of giving and receiving during his ministry at Thessalonica and elsewhere. They're, they're involved in the ministry and they were partners in the ministry. They encouraged him. Remember, he wasn't a lone ranger, was he? He had others in his life and they encouraged one another. See, the, the idea of us four and no more, well, it has no place in our vocabulary and it had no place in their vocabulary. They didn't care if somebody took their chair. It didn't matter if the wall was painted pink instead of rose. They weren't concerned if somebody else received kudos for their kindness, and they didn't. The Philippians had been willing to jump into the trenches to be able to serve in the ministry. That's what it was going to take to see the gospel advance in their city. And in other towns, well, my goodness, that's what they were going to do. They were going to jump in there. They were going to help, and they were going to serve. This, this work here, we see that we need to, uh, let's see, Paul's uh, second reason for being thankful to God is his confidence. He had confidence that God will complete the good work that he's begun in the Philippians, and his work, which we need to identify with salvation, will reach its completion at the day of the Lord. 
So we know it's coming around the bend. So it's, it's again, it's that progress. It's that progressive transformation that God starts a work in us, but it doesn't mean he's done once we come to faith in Christ. It means that he started that work in us and he's still working on us day in and day out. We aren't perfect. We're not finished. It's not all wrapped up, but he is still working on us. Thank God, right? I'm thankful that he's still working on me. Jody and I bought a house several years back. It's built in 1909, so it's old. It's at 109 years old. Uh, so when we got the house, you know, the first floor was done. It was fine. It had nice floors and all that kind of stuff. And we still had to do some work in that. And, and it was a nice little house and still had some work it needed done outside. But, but it wasn't enough bedrooms. It wasn't really big enough. But when we saw the house, we, we looked upstairs. It had this great attic. And this attic, is, it's really a story and a half. And so uh, in, the, in the second story, uh, it had, uh, there was no walls up there. There was no ceiling, no nothing like that. It had shiplap flooring that was just barely there just so you could throw stuff up in there and store it and it had a, it had a, uh, a nice staircase the staircase was wonderful as I would climb up the staircase by the time I got up to the second flight of stairs I would have to start doing this as I climbed up because it went down to about five foot and when you're six foot tall it's hard to fit through a, a five foot hole okay so you can just picture it I'm sure but anyhow here this house is, and uh, it, it was basic, and it needed some work, but we had a plan. Had a plan on paper, put it all together, took it to the city, all that kind of stuff, and wanted to put a new bedroom up there, an office, a bath, and a, of course, a, a, a staircase, because it's kind of hard to hit a nail on your head every time. I did that a couple times. Ouch. Anyway, so as uh, we, we get through this process, and we start building it, we cut every board and nailed every nail and screwed every screw in, and and put this whole thing together. And but when we're in the process, though, there was a time where we had these stringers that were the stair stringers, and we had uh, they were all open. You could see the inside of it, and the and the treads were just uh, they were temporary treads. Jody loved them. You ask her afterwards; she'll tell you all about it. And they were all on the stairs, and we could climb the stairs, and they would creak and pop and bang and all that stuff. Except once in a while, I'd have to take one of them off and put another one on. You know, just those kind of things could be discouraging, right? When are we going to get this thing done? Yeah, it's one of those things. We had to keep our eyes on the big picture. Thankfully, that part of the house is done. But on a 109-year-old house, it seems like you're always working on it. The projects never end. Nobody told me that. <laughs> you need to keep in mind the big picture that God isn't finished with us yet. We need to hold on to the joy of our in, in our circumstances by looking at God's plan. It was that way for the Apostle Paul as he's in prison. He's writing to the church. It, it was that way for Pastor Brunson. It's that way for so many people that, that face struggles and challenges in this life. We have to be able to focus on God's big picture. Not only is it important to be able to share in ministry together, but there's something else that we can learn from the Apostle Paul in these next couple verses. And if you look at these with me in verse 7 and 8, first of all, if you partner, you share in grace, no matter what the circumstance is. Verse 7 says this, It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. 
God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. So here's another more personal reason for Paul's thanksgiving as well. He feels this way about them because of their consistent partnership. They They were faithful. They were consistent partners in his ministry through thick and thin, through challenges, through through simple things. And Paul describes this faithful commitment in a way that reflects his uh, uh, circumstance as a prisoner for the gospel. Whether he's in chains or whether he's defending or confirming the gospel, the Philippians have stood with him. The words Paul uses for defending apologia and confirming Bebeosis are their their legal terms, and therefore providing a speech of defense before an official. And these are, but his uh, the things that he is giving are not just simply limited to the legal battles. The Philippians supported him through all of this thing that he's walking through, whether he's in chains, whether he's persuading people to follow Jesus uh, about Christ. It doesn't matter. Paul says that the Philippians stood with him. Paul's fond of these friends in Philippi because they partnered with him in the thick and thin and they were faithful, consistent partners of the gospel. They were growing and they were being transformed, but God wasn't done with those guys yet. He wasn't finished with them and they were growing and being transformed, but yet they have been literally fellow participants with me of the grace, he says. So now we have to step back and we have to ask ourselves uh, some pretty big questions. Is that me? Is that me? Have I been a faithful, consistent partner with the body of Christ? Have I been a consistent partner with other believers even outside of my comfort zone? We all have comfort zones, right? We all have that place where we enjoy, I'll stay here. This is my comfort zone. I don't don't want to do anything else. But is God still working on my life in such a way to transform me? If If you answer yes to each of these, then Paul would thank God. That's what he would do. He would thank God for that. He would rejoice in it. But, it, but if, uh, if not, it may be that the Lord is speaking to you today. Maybe He's trying to move you up higher. Maybe move you closer to being a faithful, consistent partner in what God is doing. Being part of the work of the Lord. But even if, if you say yes to these questions, I have to dare to say that the Spirit would still challenge you to come up higher. As followers of Jesus, I'm not just talking about money. I'm... I'm talking about our lives. Our lives as followers of Jesus. I couldn't imagine what it was like for the Apostle Paul to uh, to be in prison for the gospel as he was, or even that pastor that's in Turkey. And, uh, there are others like Pastor Sa- uh, Saeed Abedini who was released in 2016 from Iran and who had served uh, prison time there for threatening, quote, national security uh, because he had been forming Christian meetings. But long before they arrested him, he had been planting house churches throughout uh, that nation, sharing the gospel with people. And many people come to faith, and he was based in the United States. And uh, so uh, here he was, and, and he, was, uh, he was arrested for it and spent a lot of time in prison because of it. And what, one thing's for sure, it took a toll on his life. 
None of these guys were perfect people. Let's be real honest. Paul wasn't a perfect person either. He struggled as well. Yet, there in their circumstances, they were working to keep their eyes on the big picture with joy. In our lives, each day, we need to be able to keep the big picture with joy. We need to recognize that God has a plan in our life and He is going to help us. Things are a lot bigger than us. And thankfully, God is a lot bigger than us. Finally, we can look at these last few verses as we prep to, to close down this morning. But our prayer is that you will progress in your faith. That you will progress in your faith and you will not be tripped up by the circumstances that will come your way. Because I can guarantee circumstances come. That's just the way life is. That's just what we face. Circumstances will come. And look at what the Apostle Paul says in verse 11 here. He said, and this is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus. Not our own righteousness, right? We know that's His filthy rags. But filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So Paul, he now describes for the Philippians what his intercessory prayer on their behalf is about, that they might grow spiritually with the ultimate result that God will receive glory and praise. So Paul first expresses this request for the Philippians and then he mentions the results that he hopes that God will produce in them in answer to his prayers. He wants them to grow spiritually and even in knowledge and insight. And the reason he wants this for them is so that they can discern what's best, so they can understand, so they can grab a hold of what is best for them in their situation. It's here that we find Paul introducing the need to discern the difference between what is true and what is not true. We have to ask our, ourselves why. It's because later Paul deals with people who are legalistic and, they, and uh, who try to make people follow outward rules that seem spiritual. But it doesn't stop there. He also hits the other side of this thing and, and he doesn't want them to throw out godly boundaries like some people were doing as well. If we throw off all of our godly biblical boundaries, our lives will become a mess. And on the flip side of that, if we become legalistic with tons of external rules uh, we can, uh, that we can measure, we can become prideful and end up in a mess as well. God wants the Philippians and even us to discern what is best so that we can be pure and blameless when we meet Jesus, and I want to meet Jesus. I don't know about you, but I want to meet Jesus. He wants us to be filled with the fruit of righteousness that will bring godly joy in our lives. Remember, not happiness. It only lasts as long as you can keep your car clean, right? Not, not about happiness. That stuff is shallow. That stuff, it doesn't have a lot of value. It has a little value. We talk about it in America, but about joy, the power of joy. 
And that must be our prayer that we progress in faith and not be tripped up by false teaching that hangs around us so much in this world that we live in. Albert Einstein, he was at a dinner party one evening and he had been talking to a neighbor girl and in the, in the course of this conversation, uh, the girl starts uh, asking him some questions and she's young and, and uh, of course he's a, he's a white-haired scientist at this point and, he, and she says... Uh, what are you actually by profession? She's like, what do you do? And Einstein replied to her, he said, I devote myself to the study of physics. And the girl looked at him shocked and she said, you mean, you, you, uh, you mean to say that you study physics at your age? I finished mine a year ago. <laughs> All right. Yeah. She wasn't concerned about growing. She was just glad to be done with the course and have it checked off. I finished this course. I'm done with it. I don't have to deal with it any, anymore. It's all gone. Are we that way sometimes? Are we like that with our faith? Are we saying, well, yeah, I read the Scripture one time. Yeah, I, I said the prayer of faith. Yeah, I, uh, I trusted in the Lord back in 85. Or, or I got baptized at this time. Or... Or I read the scripture one time through, and so I've got those things. I, you know, I've got my stamp of approval there, all those things. But where are you today? Where's your faith today? Where is your heart today? Are you willing to grow? You know, those are, those are just starting places for, for us. Just like for Einstein, that was a, that was a, the class was a, just a starting place for him. He had a lot more to him, and we have a lot more to us. We've got to be able to grow and progress in our faith and our walk with Jesus. I'm afraid to say it, but many who follow Christ just simply want to tick the box that says, course finished. No matter what your circumstances, no matter what your circumstances, keep your heart focused on the big picture. Paul did it. Pastor Brunson has done it at this point. Keep growing in your walk with Christ and be a faithful partner. Be a faithful partner in serving the Lord in your community and sharing Christ to a broken world. As we wrap up this morning, I want to challenge you more than ever. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. And He gives us a reason to live this life in a way that can bring God glory. There's more to life than having a clean car and having a house with a nice this or that. There's a lot more to it than that. Happiness can be gone in a short time. But joy... It's hard to break. Would you stand with me this morning? Friends, keep your focus on Him. Jesus gave His life on the cross so that we might have life. So that we at one point in our life as we step over the threshold from now till our future that we can meet our Savior face to face. I want to pray with you if our Prayer teams will come at this time. And I want to pray with you though. And then we're going to worship the Lord in this last song as Michael and the team leads us. Father, I pray for each and every one of us here in this place. I pray that you would help each and every one of us to keep our hearts, to keep our minds, to keep our thoughts on the big picture. 
that we would recognize, Father, that you have a plan for our lives. We don't always understand it, Jesus. We don't always understand the things that hit us from the laughter to the right. We don't always understand our circumstances. The Apostle Paul didn't always either, but then he started recognizing that you had a plan. You had a plan to use his chains. You had a plan to bring hope to a world around him. And he allowed you to use them. Help us, Father, as we focus ourselves on you. In Jesus' name.